Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Today's specials, new Chase Freedom Flex with 3% on dining, including takeout. Now every meal comes with a side of cash back. Learn more at chasefreedom.com. Cars are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank N.A., member FDIC. Restrictions and limitations apply. Offer subject to change. On today's show, Masters of the Universe might be moving from Sony to a streaming service. The Matrix 4 just added a star from Aquaman. And then we're asking, is an all-female MCU movie a possibility in the near future? Hello, everyone. Welcome to your Thursday edition of Collider Movie Talk. It's Thursday, so that means Jay Washington is on the show, and we've also got Scott Menzel making his Movie Talk debut. But before we get to them, it's call sheet time. First thing on today's agenda is that Matrix 4 story, because according to Variety, Yahya Abdul-Mateen has been cast as one of the lead roles in The Matrix 4. Variety reporter Justin Kroll took to Twitter to further explain. So in regards to who he will be playing, while I was originally told this would be for a young Morpheus, sources close to the project would not confirm, with one adding, it would be inaccurate to say that. He continued, that said, a couple insiders added that even if he isn't playing a version of Morpheus, there is still a strong possibility he would be playing someone connected to the character, like a son or nephew, but for now, it's unknown. Moving down the list to story number two, now it's that all-female Marvel movie, because Captain Marvel star herself, Brie Larson, confirmed that many of the female stars of the MCU have pitched an all-female movie, to Kevin Feige, here's what Larson told Variety. I will say that a lot of the female cast members from Marvel walked up to Kevin and we were like, we are in this together. We want to do this. What that means, I have no idea. You know, I'm not in charge of the future of Marvel, but it is something that we're really passionate about and we love. And I feel like if enough people out in the world talk about how much they want it, Maybe it'll happen. Next item on our agenda today is a new trailer because Disney and Pixar just unveiled a brand new trailer for their upcoming movie, Onward. So with this one, it involves a story that takes place in a suburban fantasy world and revolves around two teenage elf brothers voiced by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt who embark on an extraordinary quest to discover if there is still a little magic left out in the world. You can check out the trailer after the show on Collider.com. Next up here, we are diving into a Sony picture story because apparently the studio is weighing whether to offload several projects to streaming services in order to minimize the studio's risk and maximize its profits. Our own Jeff Snyder reports that newly promoted Sony exec Sanford Penich has had multiple meetings with Netflix's Tendo Nagenda about selling off risky development projects and According to The Hollywood Reporter here, Kim Masters in particular, she's saying that Masters of the Universe could be among this group of films. Now, finally, we've got a great piece from Adam Chitwood that you could check out on Collider.com right now. And it's all about how Joker ends up charting a uniquely successful path down which DC films can finally stand alone. 
Adam is hopeful that Joker is the beginning of additional bold, ambitious, and standalone takes on iconic characters from unexpected filmmakers and performers. You can check out Adam's full piece on Collider.com after Movie Talk today. Now, though, we are going to move into a little video clip from something super cool. We've got a bonus clip from the comic book shopping episode with Kevin Smith. Check it out. Now, you talked about not making an MCU film, but I feel like, and I don't know if this is my, my view askew bias, the shared universe you built is a lot of characters referencing themselves, playing other characters, yeah. there's Star Wars references, people lose hands. There's a lot of MCU that you did a little earlier. When you watch those films, is there a bit of you that's like, I built this pop culture canon, and I love that the MCU's made this? Whenever period. I watch those movies, like, or usually someone online is like, hey, you had a movie universe first. And I was like, well, technically, I stole it from Marvel Comics. <laughs> like, they just didn't have movies yet, but like, in in the comics, everybody knew each other, and I love that. You know, for me, it was a John Hughes thing. John Hughes, like, backdoored all of his movies together. Yeah. Where he wasn't really prominent, and they never did big crossover or anything like that. But they were all kind of set in Sherman, Illinois, in this, like, suburban Chicago area. And as a kid who just liked movies, I liked that. Like, yeah. it wasn't, he didn't go out of his way. It wasn't like, you know, collect them all. But it was a little bit extra something for you if you went to all those movies. You're like, Sherman, Illinois. They said that. That's where the kids went to detention and breakfast club yeah. and stuff like that. They did that in those movies, and and I brought it into my movies because of them, also because of comics, because DC and Marvel, also a little bit because of Coming to America. Remember in Coming to America at one point, Eddie Murphy's like walking through the park and he gives money to some bums, and then all of a sudden you find out the bums are Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy from yeah. Trading Places. I remember being in the movie theater that night and being like, oh my God! And you just smelled, you felt like the smartest person in the world. I know, that, 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 does everybody understand what has happened here? You know, and now we live in that culture where Constantly. movies are based on that, yeah. marketed on that and stuff like that. So it's a heady time, but I'm not responsible for it. I was just one guy who was like, let me connect all the movies like John Hughes. <laughs> If you didn't already watch the full episode of Comic Book Shopping with Kevin Smith, be sure to do that. Koi, as always, does a wonderful job. All right, time to introduce my panelists. You guys know Jay Washington. Hi, Jay. Hi, I'm happy to be back, as always. It's <laughs> early on a Thursday morning. Uh, there's no such thing as enough coffee right now, but we're going to have fun. That we will. Also, because we're we're joined by a Movie Talk newcomer. It's yes. Scott. How you doing? Good. Thank you for having me, Perry. Thank uh, you for coming Super to excited to be here. First time, so I'm excited. Excited to ha be on this show and have a lively discussion with yeah, you guys. It's going to be. We've got uh, some interesting topics today, and we're kicking it off with the Sony Pictures story that they're looking to sell or offload a couple of their properties to streaming services. Mm -hmm. One in particular is Masters of the Universe. We've been covering this one for forever because it's been in development for forever, and they're finally seemingly getting it off the ground, but now it looks like they might pivot. So first question I have for you guys is, is Masters of the Universe better off on Netflix anyway? Yes. There's no other answer to this, but yes. Like, this movie has been it's been in development so long, and when you finally heard we have a He-Man, what's his name, Noah Centineo? I, I feel like I still pronounce it wrong. I keep saying Noah Centineo. See, I can't pronounce it right, but nonetheless, they're like, we got a He-Man, and everybody was like, he's He-Man? Yeah. So when you look at those two things... It's better off going to Netflix. This way you don't have to worry about saying, oh, it's this major box office bomb. You can put it on streaming. Netflix doesn't have to release their numbers like they won't. You know, they'll always pick and choose which movies are their highly most streamed movies. Net Masters of the Universe will come out. They'll be like, it came out. You can see it. Move on. The best best move possible for He's Sony. He's already got a big fan base over on Netflix from To All the Boys I Loved Before. So it seems like a good place to have a movie led by him move to. Yeah, but it's... Masters of the Universe, he's supposed to be He-Man. I can see him being Prince Adam as little. You're, no, no. It's supposed to be, I have absolutely no attachment to that source material whatsoever. So I'm coming at it, fresh better, eyes, complete new guy. You grew up with it? Yeah, I was going to say, I grew up with this, and I don't even want this movie. So I don't know why they're doing it in the first place. And then once a film starts getting problems when it starts having problems and it happens over and over and over again that's usually a clear sign that they probably shouldn't be making it i mean this is kind of tying into like other movies like the crow where we keep hearing like oh this is going to happen but them dumping this in netflix i don't want netflix to keep becoming the dumping ground for movies that will not work theatrically because i feel like that's starting to become a thing too with mowgli 
and the Cloverfield movie. It's and like even everyone's. The but the I Cloverfield mean, they, movie they deserved to be get, there. Yeah, no, I know. Irishman, well, they couldn't get Irishman anyone. Irishman is probably a different case because it definitely right. is a firm awards contender right now. But they couldn't get the financing anywhere else. Nobody wants to take. I mean, even at the very beginning of Jeff's article on Collider.com, it says that they're trying to minimize the studio's risk and maximize its profits. And the example of the Irishman definitely suits that description because they are spending so much money for a movie that isn't necessarily going to bring it all back in in the box office. Right, which makes no, but. That's the bigger problem with Netflix. How can they keep spending all this money on movies? Like, it makes no sense. So, for example, when you have, like, a middle-budget or a smaller-budget movie like Marriage Story, that makes sense because you can understand that that budget was probably, like, 20, maybe 40 million. But when you take on a project that has a budget of 100-plus and you're not getting any money back from that... Irishman is a great example because now you also have to do an awards campaign. And if any indication of what it was last year for Roma, which was like 25 to $30 million, how are you swinging this? How are you justifying it? That's well, it my did, question. Well, I think the fact they justify it by the fact that Roma won awards. I think that's their way of justifying it. I, no, I, fi- no, I know financially no, it makes how no much sense. Stuff, how much stuff do they have to send out? I mean, I have a pillow. <laughs> I have a poster. I have an art book. I mean, how much stuff do I have to get for that movie to kind of like feel like that movie existed? And yeah. yet no one outside of our bubble here in, here in Hollywood or in New York yeah. knows about Roma. I mean, I've I talked to my friends in New Jersey who are movie fans. They don't know what Roma and is. And it'll be a few of those diehard cinephiles who will be like, yo, I know about Roma. I've been following this since it was in an indie circuit. You'd be like, stop it. Yeah. And the same thing with yeah. the Irishman. Because yeah. of the cast, everybody's high on it. But right. again, the budget behind the Irishman, like you said, is ridiculous. So, of course, you don't want, you just want the awards off of it. You want the accolades to say, hey, we have Academy Award winners. So eventually you can bring in more high-profile actors. They're bringing in these high-profile directors. That's all that is. So when it comes to the studios, they're like, hey, now we'll say we have this joint partnership eventually with these streaming platforms. Netflix Netflix has become that first source, but then you'll see what happens with possibly an Amazon Prime or Hulu or whatever the case. But we know it's not going to do HBO Max because that's Warner Brothers in itself. So you see those different ones and see how that'll play out. There was actually an interesting bit about HBO Max in here, now that you bring it up. Um, in, his, in his report, uh, Jeff writes, the trade even says that Warner Brothers may sell movies to outside streamers, despite the fact that HBO Max is hungry for its own content. Okay, they should have did that with Blinded by the Light. But that Just makes saying. zero sense now because they put out so much random stuff and I, they, they take so many risks anyway. Yeah. And now all of a sudden to say, well, we won't take our risk on a platform we created that needs this content. Well, That's weird. I mean, I, I love my, my folks at Warner Brothers, but like that studio always seems like it's a mess. Like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Like it, it, they're even their streaming service is priced so much higher than everyone else's. It's like if Disney's going this slow, you might like want to. Yeah, you might want to scoot it down a little bit when you already have other ones that are much cheaper. And than people you. will say in the comments and other other places, well, well, why does everybody have to be like Disney? People always use Disney as the standard now, unfortunately. Yes, because of them being this giant conglomerate, they are considered the bar, the bar. So if they're going six ninety nine a month for <laughs> Disney Plus. What make? I mean, yeah, Netflix is at. $14 if you brand it coming new. What makes you think you should go above that right now? I was actually having this discussion with someone last night that I feel like I often say, you know, this studio's movies aren't promoted enough, but I think it's because everything feels like it's in comparison to Disney at this point. And I'm See? being slammed by, you know, so many trailers for Disney movies that all the other marketing push is pale in comparison. Mm-hmm. So yes. I think we're at a point where it's just about getting creative and trying something new. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to quantify the value of all of these moves because a company like Netflix does not release numbers. I understand that it's important for them to continue to have a whole library full of a variety of content in order to keep people who are already subscribed there and keep paying for their service. But it's it's like, what what is the value of that versus making a movie that brings in new subscribers? Where is all of the production money coming from? I just I want like a little well, bit of data. And the problem with with, you know, something like this and, and just in general with, with Netflix is that they've they have a proven track record now they're working on getting one where they take like these mid-scale movies like whether it's a romantic comedy or whether it's like an independent film and they know how to kind of build an audience and build a campaign around them when you have a movie that's so high scale and, and in every way 
you really want to go to theater. Like they're, they're pushing these movies now into the movie theater now for those three weeks run to qualify for Oscars. Mm. But when you have a movie like He-Man or the one with um, Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson that's, that's coming out that they bought a couple of uh, – a couple months ago, what? I forgot the name I of that one. That's that, and Gal Gadot's in it too, right? Um, uh, I was yeah. about to say Skyscraper. That's but, the previous movie, yeah. Red Notice. Right. Yes. So, like, you have those, but why? Why release those? Like, you kind of have to know what kind of studio you're being. Like, mm. are you going to put out like the big budget movies, or are you going to put out the smaller scale, or are you going to put out a mid level? And you know, you were speaking about marketing. A24, very small studio, who knows how to market movies. Yes, A24. yes, yes. That's a great they example. we got to go back and to the rich- A24, sorry, Jay. No. A24 also knows what they're doing because I think they made the right move by aligning themselves with Apple. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But then you got to go back to the original story. This is Sony. Sony right now. We're talking about Sony at the, at, throughout it all. Yeah. This is Sony we're talking about. Before we talk about Netflix, look, they're right now. We just had this whole big tit for tat with them, the Spider-Man debacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally got that situated for what it's worth. Now we're going forward with Sony Films, and they got to see how these movies pan out. Men in Black International did not do well for them at all. And by all accounts, it should have. You got the Men in Black franchise. You've got Tessa Thompson. You've got uh, Chris Hemsworth. So you basically have Valkyrie and Thor again. You have the, the homage to it with the hammer. You have all these little bitty things that says, oh, this should be a great movie. But that but that shows you also like there's so much banking right now on like stars and like we have yeah. to remember that in the 80s and 90s when I grew up and what I think are like the heyday of movies um that was when the movie star really mattered like where like you literally can be one person could be in like I don't know, like an action movie and then do a drama and people would still flock to it because they really connect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, like comedic actors like John Candy. Everyone would go see a John Candy movie, uh, Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone movie. OK, um, nowadays, I feel like unless they're attached to a particular property, they're not interested in that. Well, so we're going like, to get a taste of that this week. And when we see if Gemini Man does well. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my <laughs> prediction right now. No, <laughs> I, I don't think it's it's going to like crash and burn at the box office. But I also don't think it's gonna justify the production budget. Right, but I think really at the end of the day, when you look at all these decisions that people are making, so you brought up Men in Black, which you think is a great example. The thing is, is that Men in Black. What did we really want? We really wanted Will Smith and, back Tom, and Tommy Lee yep. Jones. And then you could have brought in if they were gonna do that right, they could have brought those two back. Pass the torch and then to Tessa. The yeah, and they could have done that. But instead, they went with two stars who were in Marvel movies and hoping that they're going to sell something. And that's not what people wanted out of a Men in Black movie. I'm sorry. It was the same thing they did with Game of Thrones. Yeah. Think about it. After Game of Thrones, it was get all the Game of Thrones kids and anything you could throw in. Yes. Terminator Genesis. All right, never forget that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Genesis. <laughs> never, never forget that with Amelia Clark. They quickly threw her in. I feel yeah. like we're all going to be broken records in a couple of weeks, too, because they also have Charlie's Angels coming up. And oh. I, yeah, I'm, I would be thrilled if they proved me wrong, but I am highly concerned about that one. And I, and I love Chris, uh, Kristen, and I love Naomi, and I'm, I'm very worried about that movie. Yeah. Hey, it's Elizabeth Banks, and I'll never get past her being Rita Repulsa. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I told you, Perry. I told you on this show I several love, times. You know, I'm I trying to movie. I love the pairing. <gasps> you are welcome on Movie Talk anytime. You, <laughs> you don't have to love it as long as you're respectful about it. You didn't, you didn't, and you are. You are. I'm very much so. Yeah, you didn't I got like a, the Krispy Kreme references. I mean, it's long enough, yeah. right? Like <laughs> that was like, are we seriously go product place with this hard for this? It's it, was Krispy Krispy. it was fun. It was. <laughs> All right. I want to ask you guys a couple questions that uh, Jeff brought up in his article, too. We've been uh, talking a little bit about why it's beneficial to offload some of these products. But what do you think about Sony as a studio overall? Because at one point, Jeff does ask, is Sony doomed? He answers his own question and I side with his answer. But I'm just curious. Do you, do you read this in a way that, you know, kind of gets the crystal ball going and you see into the future and they're going to move away from theatrical or maybe get absorbed by another company? Nah, uh, nah I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Either. I think Sony is fine. It's just they're trying to figure their way right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the biggest thing. They, they, they're, they're, they can be smart. This is what all studios need to do. And this is, you know, just advice from someone who loves movies and watch movies. (laughs) Um, I think like studios need to reevaluate their decisions. 
So again, for Sony, they need to look at like what's going to work for them and, and, and figure out like maybe like two or three movies a year. I think the, the marketplace is oversaturated where they have like 20 movies a year. You need to focus and maybe go down to like five projects and ones that you really want to push and set the bar high for those. Like you, you have like a once upon a time in, in Hollywood movie and then you have Charlie's Angels and you have to decide like <laughs> which one am I going to push? Hey, don't make fun of them. Did no, Jumanji win? It was a huge hit. The They're going to make no, so much is, money. It's just the bar between the two when you oh, hear the two. Yeah. 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 That's what made me laugh when you hear the bar between the two. Once upon a time, once upon a time in Hollywood and then Charlie's Angels. But then you can have, but see, here's the weird thing. But you can have a movie like Escape Room, and that's a better decision than Charlie's Angels. Yes, it is. Because it's a genre film. <laughs> you're you're like, getting at my heart right yeah. now. Escape Room was a big winner for me yeah, this year. Yeah, so like genre movies like work. If anything could be learned from Blumhouse is that you, you know you keep the budget tight and small, and you can make money off that because it's a built-in audience. So just to play devil's advocate yeah. with this a little bit, so they focus on making five really good movies with responsible spending. What does that then do to the amount of opportunities getting out there? Because while I'm always like, so much content, like don't just make content without you know like certain precautions, it's giving more opportunities to more people than we've ever seen before. And that's part of the reason why every time I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, like movies aren't going to be on the big screen. They're going to be on streaming services. At least people are getting the opportunity to tell their stories their way and they're being seen. Yeah. But I think the the problem with that is if you look at that, that, I don't know if you have that mentality, Mm -hmm. this is, wasn't how Hollywood used to release films. Okay. This is just, us going into being greedy about like money and the studios being becoming greedy about what they're making instead of focusing and like controlling their budgets. They're like, yeah, let's green light this. So going back to this movie, like the He-Man movie, like if there's not a lot of buzz about it and you didn't really start production on it, scrap it. Why does it matter? Like, why is it still in the conversation? And I think your point about like people having jobs, is like, you can hire more people to work on a good movie instead of like giving like a crappier movie the time of day and the budget and all this stuff. Because all it does is, right, if a movie bombs at the box office, it's a loss. Mm-hmm. But because the system's the way it is, you know, it becomes a write-off. And like, to that point, one could also say yeah. you might as well scale down the amount of movies in order to keep your entire operation up and running so it doesn't get absorbed by another company and cut jobs that way. Yeah, and or you can just branch off. See, if, like, if, if studios really wanted to... I don't know, like you think about again in the 90s where they had different branches. I mean, again, Disney, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, like Touchstone, you know, like you had different type and uh, Hollywood pictures. There was different types of releases underneath mm-hmm. those different headlines. Right. So you could do that again. I think people they, I think they're just lost right now because everyone wants the Fast and the Furious. Everyone wants the Marvel movie. But you can, not everything can be that. So you have to build something else. Stop where we, we, we focus now in movies on blockbusters. Plain yes. and simple. Yes. Plain and simple. Whether it's those two you mentioned or others, we focus on blockbusters. So when it comes to smaller movies, they don't get as much attention. Again, Masters of the Universe is going to be considered a blockbuster for some God yeah. unknown reason. Right. It will be considered one. Because if we all remember the original one, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that shouldn't happen. But you can't this is a type of movie you should not be doing masters of the universe at all right at all right. <laughs> it just it should not i don't know anybody out there right now who is like yes we need a new he-man movie if you're gonna give me any type of movie based on an 80s property and keep him away from it give me the thundercats and when i say keep him away from it keep michael bay away from it i do not need to see panthro exploding do you understand what i'm saying i don't want to see that <laughs> rotating shot around Lionel when he calls the sword off. i don't want that okay and you can tell michael bay i said it <laughs> Well, here is a perfect transition to our next story. So talking about a big block, a big blockbuster that you don't necessarily want. What about the continuation right now of the Matrix franchise, Matrix franchise? Because we've got Yaya Abdul-Mateen, who I think the world of joining this project. But are you guys on board with another Matrix movie at this point? Or is this another thing where it's like, you know, make something new. Don't keep a franchise going. You got to give me a good plot for this one. 
because after Matrix Revolutions, was it? It's it's <laughs> hard. After Matrix Revolutions, it's hard to get people back into it. You can tell me all day and every day you got Keanu Reeves coming back. You got Carrie Ann Moss coming back. You may have Lawrence Fishburne in some capacity, somehow, in a way. You have one of the Wachowski sisters directing it. You can do all of that, but again, the Matrix Revolution still exists. And that's the hard part. As much as I am a fan of Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, I'm waiting to see what he does in Watchmen. I was telling you before we started recording, I loved him in Black Mirror. He did things with a polar bear. He told you about it. He told <laughs> Anthony Mackie about it. And, you know, you I, were going to work that polar bear into this conversation, you know, no matter what. Yeah, no, I <laughs> but I, I love what he does as an actor, and I, I'm glad to see him in this role. But again, it, it has to be something about this film that is really worthy because – yeah, it's a computer program. We can restart the simulation, all this down the third. But again, the Matrix revolutions exist, and that is not a good thing. Right. I agree with you. Uh, you know, when the first Matrix came out, you know, it changed cinema. And it was a big deal, and, like, movies, par- you know, made mockeries of it, parried it, whatever. It, technology has come so far. What are they going to do with this one to really make it stand out? And... I don't understand. There's so many original ideas, and there's we have this blacklist in Hollywood where there's these scripts and things of that nature. Try something new. You can take ideas from the Matrix and do something new with it and not call it the Matrix. Right? Like that Point Break remake didn't have to be called Point Break. It could have been something completely mm-hmm. different. I feel you like I apply ideas. that thinking to the Scream TV series. It didn't have to be called <laughs> Scream. It didn't even have the mask. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Um, if you could cast Yaya in a particular role in this movie to make you more interested in the story, who would it be? Because as we discussed earlier, it isn't necessarily, you know, we don't know for sure who he's playing. There's rumors that he could be Morpheus's son or related in another uh, another sense. But do you guys see a role for him in this movie that could maybe, you know, form a story around him that you'd be interested in? I want him as Morpheus's son. Hmm. So you're into the rumor. I'm into the rumor of his okay. kid. I, I think it either will be his son or a young version of him. Yeah. I mean, that's the only two ways I think they're going to go with this. I mean, he does kind of like... You know, have that features. I'm trying to picture him with a shaved head. So you don't think there's any potential in the story for him being a completely new character? Or him being the new one? He could be. Yeah, He could be the new one. He could be the new Neo. That would be be a nice twist on things. Because we're automatically expecting him to be related to Morpheus and connected to Morpheus in somehow, some way, let him be the one. Mm Mm-hmm. The one is just a program, and we found out before. The one has been numerous people before Neo and will be after. I'm open to just about anything because I just trust his casting. <laughs> I, I really like him. And I think at this point, even though like it feels like he's kind of exploded on the scene very recently. But even in the last two years, we've seen him play so many different mm-hmm. types of roles. And, you know, bringing up uh, something like Black Mirror, also seeing how he works with technology like yeah. that, which seems vital yeah. to a movie like The Matrix. Absolutely. But- he came by the uh, the Collider interview suite at TIFF for a movie called Sweetness in the Belly, and that was that was like a really intense, dramatic performance from him. Then, and I thought he just ran with it. So at this point, if you cast him in a movie, I've got more faith. Good, good, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him as an actor. Um, I like to see him, you know, shine in this. I'm just I'm just worried because it's it's another franchise that I don't necessarily think needs to be brought back. I mean, that's that's the way I feel. Like like you said. I love the first one. The second one started going downhill, and then the third <laughs> one was just like a train wreck. It's mm-hmm. like 45 minutes of the guys going like this, screaming, you know, like, okay, enough. So they have a lot to overcome with a four film, and I just don't think it's necessary. I think time has passed. You know, like, there's a lot of movies like this. I don't think we, we, we need this. I'm having a hard time figuring out how to articulate why I feel like this, but I have more faith in a, another movie that is in the Matrix franchise than, let's say, I have in, I don't know, Masters of the Universe, Men in Black International. There's something about this concept, and there's something about how the Matrix has woven its way into pop culture that I think Just, puts, it, yeah. puts it on another level, whereas, you know, if you went up maybe to, like, a, a super young movie fan out there and mentioned He-Man, maybe that individual won't know what He-Man is, but I think that person will know certain ideas that came from the Matrix. But it's like what Scott said earlier. The Matrix, when it came in, it made these whole new different things that everybody mimicked in film and TV. 
what can it do now? Right. That's the that's the thing about it. That's what set the Matrix apart from everything else. Again, how many times have we seen this scene? Oh my gosh, we've seen this in every iteration. The first Spider Man did it, and so we saw all that. And I'm going. That's how far back we go. But now. What can this film do? It has to do something. Given the fact what we see with Gemini Man, with what Ang Lee is doing, you see what I'm saying? We have to have something that's going to be like, this is why you need to see this. My desperate attempt to find a silver lining is it's almost like <laughs> boxed itself in in a good way because it was so good. Yeah. So now these original filmmakers who were part of it from the very beginning have to figure out a way to bust out of it. And fingers crossed they do that in a way that, you know, shocks, surprises, but also satisfies us all. Yeah. Fingers crossed on Fair. that. One. All right, before we move on to topic number three, we've got some stuff on the Collider Video YouTube channel coming your way super soon. Check out these promos. Hey guys, it's Riley here. Let me tell you about the Riley Roundtable. You know it, right? It drops every Thursday on Collider Conversations, and I have guests from all across the space. John Roca, Gray Drake, Alexander Desplat came on at one point. We talk everything from movies, we talk about Heard life, and everything in, in between. What do you want to hear? What do you want to talk about? It's the Riley Roundtable every Thursday on Collider Conversations. You get it there. Well, hello there. I'm Ken Napsok, one of the hosts of Collider Jedi Council. And I'd like to invite you to listen to our show, watch our show. It's on every Thursdays on the Collider video channel. And it's also available in podcast form if you'd like to listen to our sweet voices on Collider Jedi Council. Me, Christian Harloff, and a bevy of guests, I say, talk Star Wars. We celebrate Star Wars. We dig into the Star Wars news. We speculate everything about Star Wars, including your questions. So join us on Collider Jedi Council. You're going to have a great time. All right, time to move on to our title topic today. We are talking about Brie Larson's recent quotes regarding an all-female MCU movie. So... I guess there's no better place to start than given these quotes. Do you think this this could actually happen? Yes. I mean, I know never yeah. say never in the industry, yes. but maybe I'll limit it to do you think this could happen in the semi-near future? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So let's just get into it. For everybody that's about to get upset and in their feelings, Adam, put the camera on me real quick. <laughs> Please put the camera on me, Adam. Thank you. For everybody that's about to get in their feelings in these comments, in this YouTube section, in this Twitter thread, go ahead and log off. It can happen. You know why? Because every other superhero film we've seen has been primarily men. You have one or two women. This is something that has been done in the comic books. And for everybody who keeps talking about things that are forced, the A-Force is something in the comics. Now, granted, it is a different iteration where you have Nico Minoru, who's in The Runaways. You have She-Hulk, who is coming to Disney Plus and others. This can be done. It was not forced, as people want to keep trying to say. It was forced because you didn't want to see it. If you're mad, being your feelings. Oh, well, it can happen. It will happen. They have built up different things to happen in this film for this to happen now and for a full feature length film to happen. So guess what? It will. And you will cry and complain on the Internet like you do. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to see if this movie's going to bomb. And guess what? It won't. You know why? Because people did that with Wonder Woman. It made all this money. <laughs> people did that with Captain Marvelous in the Billion Dollar Club. This movie will do the exact same thing. End of rant. Seacrest out. There you go. <laughs> How are you following that one up, Scott? I uh, don't think I can. Uh, I will echo his thoughts and say that I completely agree with you. Um, if anything, I would say that this was one of the best scenes in Avengers Endgame. I thought that this scene was something that I wish they did more of and used more of it. And I've been to so many of the press conferences for Marvel, and at every single one of those, there is always a question that says, when is the female superhero group movie coming? And Kevin Feige goes, we're working on it, we're working on it, we're working on it. And having this strong of a cast and them not to take advantage of that, they would be foolish not to do that. I really do think that Brie Larson makes a very good point as far as getting people talking about it because I think that the constant asking and the constant talking about it thus far maybe led to this particular moment behind you right now, Jay, but also maybe kept this idea in the development conversation for way longer than we even know. And I think if her comments right now kind of raise the level with that, I think this movie could come sooner rather than later, well, remember, and I would love it. Well, remember, Tessa Thompson even brought it up. Yes. This, this is before Brie Larson brought it up. And right. granted, Brie Larson is the Academy Award winner, so that puts, in a sense, her her 
comments a little bit higher. And I, I know it sounds weird to say that, but it's like when you have the Academy Award winner say something. Now, granted, she wasn't as prominent as all the other characters. But again, like you said, it keeps it up there. So it takes Tessa Thompson's. It keeps it up here. You already have had Denai Guerrero who said she's game for it. Yep. You've had all of these other cast women have said they are game for it. Kevin Feige has even said yes. And like Scott said, at different junkets, it is brought up. So there is a calling for it. Again, it's a bunch of dudes who don't want to see it. And I know you're going to get mad at me saying it. It's a bunch of dudes who like, we don't want to see this. Shut up. Just because you don't want to see it, you'll still go see it. You'll pay money to go see it because you'll hate watch it. It's just what it is. I hate the fact that people are acting like this shouldn't happen. It was forced. No, you know what's forced is every single time, like I said, you have to have a group of superheroes. It's a bunch of dudes. And then just one woman or just one minority character. That is forced. Yes. That is forced because we know what you really want. This is something that has been built up throughout 23 films and going forward. End rant. End rant. Secrets <laughs> out again. Going no. off what you were just saying, though, how do you think is the best way to tee up this particular story? Because because admittedly, yeah. I didn't find the moment in Endgame to be forced whatsoever. It felt very natural, mm-hmm. and I think it got the emotional rise out of me that they intended to with it. And I hold tight to that feeling, and I will never forget the first time I saw that, let alone the second, third, or fourth time. Mm-hmm. But we want to make sure that the story is woven into the MCU in a way that not only makes a good standalone movie, but also services the entire MCU. So how do you see them teeing up this movie, given what we've already seen and what they've already announced for future phases of the MCU? The same way they've been doing it. Yeah. This, the exact same way they've been doing it. You don't you let it build. It's a story. It's a story. You built up the Avengers. You build up the A-Force. You built up how we talked about what S.H.I.E.L.D. is. You build up how we talk about this whole, this gigantic Avengers assembling thing for 22 films. You build it up piece by piece. You have two phases that are announced. One phase we know about, phase four. We have no idea what's coming in phase five, except for maybe Blade and Black Panther 2. But we don't have any idea what else is in that from the film world to even what's on Disney Plus, which is now officially connected in the MCU. So you have all these different outlets to put all this in, all these different vehicles to drive this forward. It can be done. Just people got to just stop just chilling and get out their feelings. That being said, I have to say that I hope they go the theatrical route with this and not so much Disney Plus. Oh, no. Because you're right. <laughs> I just I just feel like by doing that, that's going to start a whole nother conversation of like, Fair. Yeah. yeah. So I think they need to just keep going. Just like you said, with the building up to this big end result with Endgame, mm. they need to give the female characters the same level of credit Fair. and they need to do that. I would be shocked if they went the Disney plus route with this I, there. I don't think there's any chance that they would actually do I, that. I'm just saying, I don't know. Cause yeah. like, you, you never know. Like there's always like certain characters where maybe they're like, Oh, we don't feel comfortable enough to like give this one their own movie. You know, we've had that happen before, mm-hmm. you know, like Hulk's one of those characters, right? People are always like, can I have another Hulk movie? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Kevin Feige's like, nope. Every t- he, he doesn't say nope straight out, but he like tiptoes around it, basically saying nope in a different way. But like you said, I just think that, you know, times are changing, but also like, why not? It's something different and something that we deserve to see and the world deserves to see. We need this type of representation on screen. It's so important. And... That's why movies like Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel did so well. And, and, and there's arguments whether those movies were that great or not. But at the end of the day, it's because it's something that we haven't seen before. And audiences are always, as much as we love our big budget stuff, audiences are always craving something that's new and different and gives them a new reason to go to the movies. I'm a father to a daughter. My daughter wants to be Wonder Woman. I am searching for a Wonder Woman costume for a six-year-old. My daughter saw Captain Marvel. She was like, I like her, but I'd rather be her. Yeah. So why wouldn't I want my daughter to see this going forward, to see a whole team full of heroes? I grew up seeing a team full of heroes. I got to see a movie I never thought I would see in theaters ever in my life in Black Panther. Mm -hmm. I never, ever thought that would be its own movie. So why not have younger girls like my daughter and other young girls see this? You know, it's a, it's a bad example, but, like, I just want to bring this up. So my, my, my wife grew up in a household where, like, it was mainly, you know, male-driven. Mm-hmm. So when the Ghostbusters movie came out, the, the remake that we dare not talk about, um, she, you know, she re- I didn't think the movie was that great. I thought it was fine. She loved it, and she said the reason why is that 
for the first time, I got to see women on screen in these roles that I've always watched my brothers watch. And I think that kind of echoes your point. It's like we need to give content that appeals to everyone. And we have to stop being so blind, blindsided by everything. Just be open-minded. You may end up liking it. Just go in with an open mind. That's it. End of my little rant. Why won't go to these Twitter oh, no. questions? Why won't go to these questions? Rant three right now. Um, I'll, just, I'll just reiterate kind of what you just said there. It's, it's a difficult thing to describe to someone who maybe doesn't have that kind of uh, attachment to maybe a scene like this or maybe Black Panther, whatever movie out there that really speaks to you. But when a movie does speak to you like that, it could make all the difference. I know sometimes, oh, it's just movie. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. But I really do think movies, TV shows, art in general can make a huge difference in yes. someone's life. So if there's the opportunity to make a movie that can make a big difference for someone out there, yes. I'm still more, waiting for the Hebrew more. hammer too. You know, like <laughs> when's that coming? You know? <laughs> All right, let's jump in to the live chat right now. I actually do have a couple of uh, A-Force uh, team-up movie questions here. And this first one comes from Death Star Kitty. Death Star Kitty wants to know, what would your A-Force team lineup be using three current and two new characters? Oh, I got you right now. Oh. Black Widow, Captain Marvel. Well, the new Black Widow that we're going to get. The new Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Okoye, Valkyrie. Oh, this is three. I'm going to say Okoye, <laughs> Nico Monoru, Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, and uh, Molly Hernandez, two from the runner. I'm sorry. And Tandy Bowen from Cloak and Dagger. So Dagger, Nico from Runaways, She-Hulk, the... Yeah, the head of the door, Malache, Black Widow, and Captain Marvel. I give you all varieties and all powers all the way around, and they can whoop anybody. And God willing, if they put it on, C- on TV, Squirrel Girl, because Squirrel Girl actually has beaten Thanos before. Go ahead and read a comic book. I'm so happy you had a good list in your mind, because it gave me a hot second to think <laughs> about mine. I think Valkyrie definitely has to be on the list. As does Captain Marvel. Um, I I want to put Shuri in the mix. Okay. I feel like every also every team desperately needs a tech expert, and yeah, so that's Shuri's where Shuri goes. Yeah, awesome. Wait, so those are all established characters. Now I have to pick two new ones, and I don't have the comic book brain that you <laughs> do to actually do that well. I think I'm going to go for uh, for Monica Rambo. Just because the idea of seeing her reunite with uh, with so, Brie Larson I'm with so Captain Marvel that would make Tiana me happy. Tiana Paris is my homegirl. I forgot Tiana. <laughs> <laughs> Tiana's playing Monica. My bad, TT. My bad. And then I guess maybe I'll throw She Hulk in there too, just because I'm I'm so curious to know what that's going to look and feel like, oh, and I'm I'm just excited for it. Yeah, I think uh, She Hulk would be. A good pick for me, and also Squirrel Girl. I just and I and I definitely there was that rumor about Anna Kendrick doing this. Yeah. They they should totally get her to do that because I think she's like the perfect fit for it. I want that. She's supposed to have a show. She's supposed to be in New Warriors that was supposed to be on Freeform. Then it got pulled, and everybody was like, "Okay, it may go to Hulu." Then nothing came of that. Then they were like, "Okay, well, what about Disney Plus?" And we still haven't heard anything. So New Warriors is still sitting out there in limbo. She right is now. semi in the Disney family through that Noel movie. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something. Something there. Did you huh? go through five? No. Uh, I, I, what's Denai's character in Black Panther? Okoye. 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 She needs to be in the movie for sure. Uh, I love Bria's Captain Marvel. And I think I just might. I might I might actually be different and not put Valkyrie in it and say Suri from uh, okay. Black Panther. Yeah, because I didn't think about the tech aspect. That was my Yeah, because yeah. I feel like she's like, she needs to be in there to create all the cool gadgets and like, I don't know. She's the brains of the operation. We, we need her in there. I'm a little saddened by the fact that I didn't name one guardian. I have to have a, a, a two asterisks. I really asterisk. love the Guardians of the Galaxy. There's two yeah. asterisks I have to include because Shuri's one, but the other one I keep forgetting, and I'm mad I didn't. Riri, Riri Williams. Ah. Ironheart. Because you have to have that Iron, you have to have that iron Man Ironheart. Because I don't want rescue. I just don't. I'm not, a, I'm not a rescue fan. I'm sorry. I'm just not. 
Y'all can add me. You know my Twitter. It's on the screen somewhere. <laughs> you open yourself up to that. All right, here's another, uh, another question about this topic. Luke Nelson is asking us, what female director would you like to see take the helm of this team up? I want to see Olivia Wilde be brought up to the big leagues after Booksmart. I want to see Olivia Wilde's next movie before I root for that. Me too. But I'm, I'm a huge Booksmart fan, and the fact that that was her featured directorial debut still blows my mind. So I've got all the faith in the world that she'll get there eventually, but I want to see one more. Greta Gerwig. Okay. Ooh. I could get behind that. That's interesting. There's been a lot of successful indie film directors that have made a transition into comic book movies. I know who I want. And I think they can bring their own unique spin. And she needs like Mm. a really good, like sarcastic type character to make, to make the movie about. I stand on, I'm a key speaking out for my friend because I know she, she deserves this more than anybody. Lexi Alexander. I want Lexi to have this. Okay. Because Lexi needs something. Like, everybody, she gave us Punisher War Zone. There's a Lexi Alexander comment in here somewhere that I want that Lexi. Passed, I want Lexi. my eye. So, I'm going to yeah. find that eventually. Because it's hard when you think about it. Like you said, you want to see what Olivia Wilde does after her second film. You don't just want to take her from one to a gigantic blockbuster such as the A-Force. Because that's not just a small, regular, like, solo Marvel film. That's a gigantic one. You got, I would have said Ava, but Ava's doing New Gods. You know, you would say certain ones. They're already doing different projects. Yeah, see, I don't see. Uh, I'm just, I don't I'm just know about a, Ava because of that wrinkle in time debacle. I know, and I'm still kind of. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. Uh, Tom I, King I, being a part of New Gods is what help, gives me hope. Yeah. Tom King helping her write the script and everything gives me a lot more hope than I would have had initially just hearing Ava DuVernay is doing New Gods. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, she was originally supposed to do Black Panther. But after somebody else they originally had, and then she gave it to Ryan. But now it's like, I saw Wrinkle in Time, and I was like, ah, please, God, don't do this. Then you say Tom King, and I'm like, cool. But there are certain ones. Again, it's, it's hard because there's certain there, – first of all, there's a limit of female directors who deserve, who are getting these opportunities. Because who else would you give? You know, you give it to uh, – Lulu Wang, you can give it to her. Patty Jenkins. Give Lulu Wang anything Yo, in this Patty world Jenkins. right now. Yeah. Why can't we give it to Patty Jenkins? If James Gunn can do two movies in two different franchises – why can't Patty Jenkins do it? I would be it? open to that. Yeah. I would also be open to Angela Robinson getting this job, oh, yeah. which I, lo- I think I love her. might be my favorite idea that's popped in my head in the last what couple of minutes. I Professor Marsden. Oh, Professor, yes. Professor Marsden. Is I'm like one still, of my favorite movies. I'm still yeah. really bitter about, yeah. yeah. And it got wow. no, no buzz. No love. No buzz at all. It was so, so good. But on top of that, she's already kind of done a, a female team up movie in Debs, which I loved growing up. So between those two projects in particular, I think they, they unite to suggest that she could be a perfect pick for a property like this. I agree. All right. I agree. Are you guys ready for me to kind of like spin the roulette? Ru- ru- Here we go. Sure. Here I, we go. I don't know what's going to happen right now. Oh, <laughs> no, but um, it looks like Daisy Johnson. Oaks. Oh, Dorian. He tricked me. He's throwing in Quake. Quake. He threw in Quake. Right. He can't throw in Quake. Look, yeah. look, Dorian, we get it. You love Chloe <laughs> Bennett. You can go ahead and at Chloe Bennett and tell Chloe Bennett how much you love Chloe Bennett. She and was great and abominable. She's great. Yeah. And you know, I really she, think she was great. Yeah. Too, I said it hurts yeah. you, Dorian, if they're about the Lego Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I get this, friend. <laughs> I get this, bro. But guess what? There is Netflix, there is Hulu, and there is your Twitter. There you go. Yeah. All right, let's get one more question here from Lions Cub, who's asking, which actor that normally plays a good guy slash hero would you like to see play a villain? My picks are Will Smith or Tom Hanks. I would like to see a Tom Hanks villain. Tom Hanks is the greatest idea for a villain in history. Because we've never seen Tom Hanks really do anything just evil. Like, could you imagine if he flipped Mr. Rogers evil? Like he was killing people. No, some hell we don't need that. No, we do. Hello, neighbor. Yeah, that's terrifying, isn't it? But no, Tom Hanks is a villain because that would literally give us everything we've ever seen of him. Hmm. We know the dramatic roles. We know the comedic roles. But to see him play a villain in any regard, man, give me Tom Hanks as a villain. I'm just sitting there thinking about it. Okay, Tom Hanks. (laughs) um, You don't have to keep going if you don't want (laughs) Tom f- Hanks as the Joker. <laughs> Tom Hanks as the Riddler would be great. I would just be interested to see what he would do with something like that, just to you know yeah. show off his range a little bit. God, I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult to think of someone. It's difficult to think of someone who hasn't already done it. Actually, this is a very random thing that came to mind, but it was because we were talking about Lucas Hedges earlier. Mm-hmm. He's someone that can do like 
yeah. anything, yeah. anything at all. I could not believe after seeing him in, you know, like Manchester by the Sea, we had Lady Bird, and then all of a sudden he pops up in mid-90s, and he's the ultimate jerk. Yeah. But yeah. he, he played the jerk so well with the appropriate tinge of sensitivity, and I just thought he married those two together so perfectly. He's so good in everything. He really is. Yeah. How about Timothy Chalamet? He's like the hottest thing in the world right now. What if he went like super evil? What about Tom Holland? That's a good call, actually. What about Tom, Tom Holland? What about Tom Holland? Because, I mean, Tom Holland really is just the ultimate nice guy. He's, in this, yeah, he's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I'm <laughs> so curious. <laughs> what if you turn that on his head? Good. All right. Jay, Jay, you're winning this one. Yes. Thank you. Scott, anyone else um, you want to add? Bad? I would say we haven't seen Brie Larson play a bad character. Uh, which would be interesting. She's, well, she's a little harsh in Scott Pilgrim, kind of-ish. Uh, I don't know. Nah. She's got like, a little bit of an edge to her there. A little bit. Um, and then I would actually say, uh, how about uh, Taron Edgerton? Mm. No, that's a good call. Because he's another one that I think can do just about yeah, anything, and yeah. everything that's coming to mind right now is it's basically him, the, the lead, the, yeah, the hero. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah. I think we've got some good good. You look like you might have one more. I'm afraid to wrap it up. No, you can wrap it up because my brain is. I'll probably think about as soon as we wrap up and get off here. All right, so we'll check back in with Jay's third answer on next Thursday's movie <laughs> talk. But for now, we got to say goodbye. Jay, as always, thank you for being here on thank a Thursday. Scott, before you leave us, tell everybody where they can oh, find sure. your work on the internet. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M, or go over to WeLiveEntertainment.com. Thank we you so much. And we see you back here soon. Absolutely. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat, thank you so much for your help, as always. And to everybody out there, thank you for watching this edition of Collider Movie Talk. Do not leave this video without liking and sharing it. And do not leave this video and go anywhere else except for Collider Live. They kick off at 10 a.m. Pacific, and we'll see you back tomorrow morning right here at this desk at 9 a.m. Pacific. Have a good one. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify.